You're listening to Commute, the podcast. Congratulations, you'll be smarter when you get there. What up? Welcome into Commute, the podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Jay. And we are about to take you on a deep dive on three topics that we find interesting, and we're betting that you might just find them interesting, too. We can promise you this, you'll be smarter when you get there. On this edition of Commute, it used to be a thing. People, even people that owned vehicles, would use hitchhiking as a form of transportation. And then suddenly, it stopped. So what happened? Since its inception in 2003, the Starbucks Pumpkin Spice Latte has become a staple of the fall season. But fast forward, how did we end up in a world where we also have pumpkin spice flavored Spam? For years, people have claimed to have seen something that really wasn't there. Following a storm, they'd claim that they'd seen a shark swimming somewhere it wasn't supposed to be. Like, I don't know, in their backyard, for example? So is this latest sighting just more of the same? Or did it actually finally happen? All of that on this edition of Commute. Let's get it. Jay, have you ever hitchhiked? And if not, have you ever even considered hitchhiking? Uh, no, I've never done it. I don't think I've ever <laughs> surprise, surprise. Doing it. <laughs> now, uh, several years ago, when I was young and naive, I did pick up someone who was wanting a ride, and uh, you know, I just felt bad. It was like early in the morning. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a good Samaritan today. So I picked up this guy. And man, that dude had me driving all over town. Like he was like, well, I really need to go to this one place. So I took him there. He's like, actually, I really need to go to this place instead. And I was like, I'm going to get robbed. Like, I don't know why I did this. Like this guy has no clue where he even wants me to go. It was like he got in my car and we both realized it's like a dog catching a car and doesn't know what to do with it. It's like he got in and realized like, man, I need to tell this guy to take me somewhere. (laughs) So, so how did it, how did it end? Uh, eventually, to be honest, I was like, you got to get out. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you've made like six stops. Like you got to just get out. Like I got to go. I got to be somewhere. Well, Jay, I have never, uh, thought about hitchhiking, but I actually had a friend who went backpacking out West after college and he and his brother, they flew out to California and then just hitchhiked up and down the coast for their entire trip. Like very, very loose planning. Doesn't that just like feel insane to you? <laughs> it was like a recipe for disaster, but I guess it worked out. <laughs> well, honestly, I, I think it kind of probably sounds insane to most of us. Hitchhiking, which can be most easily explained as when someone stands beside the road with their thumb out, hoping that some kind soul will stop and give them a ride, has become a lost art. Nowadays, we only see, uh, let's just say, less than desirable folks asking for a ride by way of their thumbs. So if we even see it at all, it's typically something that we want to avoid. Police departments discourage it, many states explicitly ban it, and most people, Jay, like us, have never even considered it. So what happened to the art of hitchhiking? Well, Jay, while it's definitely not black and white, most travel experts agree that one of the biggest reasons for the decline in hitchhiking is actually not what you'd probably guess to be the biggest reason, the fear of crime. Instead, it comes down to ownership. Probably the most important thing is the huge growth we've seen in individual car ownership. British sociologist David Smith told Vox, 
And Jay, to back up what Smith says, the U.S. has seen a constant and major uptick of individual car ownership since 1960, with over 90% of all households in America owning at least one car in 2022. Cars, pandemic pricing excluded, have gotten cheaper and last longer now post-1960, helping lower-income families to purchase a ride more often through the years. Coinciding with the rise of personal car ownership was the creation of the interstate highway system. Most of America's biggest cities are now connected by major roadways, making for much faster cross-country travel and less remote spots for hitchhikers to safely hail a ride. But Jay, while these factors are definitely major contributors, there's still no denying that fear of crime has also played a major part. Both the real stories of hitchhiker crime and the imagined. Starting in the 1960s and continuing through the 1970s, the FBI used scare tactics to try and stop hitchhiking. You're going to love this. For instance, a 1973 poster produced by the FBI, the actual FBI, featured a cartoon of an attractive male trying to get a ride from two attractive females with the headline, Death in Disguise, warning that the male could easily be, quote, a sex maniac, or a vicious murderer. Very little (laughs) evidence backs this up, though. One of the few studies done on the subject, a 1974 report done by the California Highway Patrol, concluded that hitchhikers were not much more dangerous than non-hitchhikers, representing only a small percentage of overall vehicular crime. In fact, Jay, according to the FBI, from the late 1970s to the late 2000s, only 675 total cases of murder or sexual assault were reported along interstates, with many having nothing to do with hitchhiking. Still, though, Jay, experts think that maybe the spread and the fear of hitchhiking and its overall decline may have less to do with hard evidence against it or high crime rates and more to do with the one-off stories that we can all kind of see ourselves in. Perhaps the most famous of these is the story of Colleen Stan, a story that I learned about from a 2011 episode of the podcast Freakonomics Radio, and Jay, I've thought about this many, many times since. Stan was an experienced hitchhiker, and in 1977, she was hitchhiking from her home in Eugene, Oregon, to a friend's house in Northern California. She had many rules for keeping herself safe while hitchhiking, and it led to her passing on multiple vehicles that she just didn't really feel great about. She eventually settled on a nice-looking family driving a blue family van, Cameron and Janice Hooker. Jay, what followed for Stan was what the FBI has described as a situation that has been completely unparalleled, with Stan being held as a slave by the hookers for over seven years. Not coincidentally, hitchhiking became virtually extinct following Stan's story. So Jay, while you probably wouldn't be picked up and forced to be a slave, you could be. So yeah, I think I'd probably just take the bus. (laughs) You know, I got Uber now too. I'd have to pay an upcharge, but I avoid (laughs) getting murdered. So let's let's pay it. 
Today, fall is upon us, and with fall comes the pumpkin spice flavoring, kind of most famous uh, in the pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks. Are you a uh, consumer of pumpkin spice goods during this season? I'm really not. It's just too sweet. And actually, when I eat pumpkin pie, which, uh, honestly, this kind of contradicts what I just said, but when I eat pumpkin pie, I want to bury it in whipped cream. It's an excuse for you to eat whipped cream. Yeah, it's kind like of sort your, of. It's your edible spoon to eat whipped cream. Essentially. Yeah, it's like there's, there's a little bit of pie and a ton of whipped cream. <laughs> well, Dave, August 30th, while it's not really a day that's known for fall weather, it in a way marks an important time in the journey to the fall season. On that day, Starbucks releases its annual pumpkin spice latte drink upon the world. And while some may label the pumpkin spice latte as basic or as an annoying sign of the season, Starbucks is definitely doing something right here since the company has sold over half a billion of them. But the drink wasn't always the powerhouse that it is today. In fact, Dave, Tim Kern, a former employee of Starbucks, who worked for the company for over 20 years, recently told Quartz that the drink almost didn't even happen, saying a number of us thought that the beverage was so dominated by a flavor other than coffee that it didn't put Starbucks coffee in the best light. Now, ultimately, the drink launched anyway in 2003 and quickly became Starbucks' best-selling drink with more than 200 million sold in that first year. In 2015, Forbes estimated that the pumpkin spice latte brought in around $100 million in revenue during the fall season for Starbucks. The drink took off as a cultural phenomenon of sorts, as the company worked to associate the consumption of the pumpkin spice latte with the season of fall itself. And Dave... It worked. The season demand skyrocketed, and the limited nature of the drink meant that fans lined up to get their hands on one for a limited time only. Susie Badaracco told Vox in 2014, pumpkin became recognized as part of the comfort food trend during the recession in 2008 due to its association with the holiday season. And Dave, in tough times, it is well established by science that we are more likely to crave foods that bring back happy memories. Many people associate pumpkin flavor with home and Thanksgiving and Christmas and happy memories overall. But the phenomenon of pumpkin spice, as lucrative as it has been for Starbucks, has also drawn more businesses into the fray looking to get a piece of the pie. You may have noticed that the flavors come earlier and earlier as companies look to get a head start on the rush. 7-Eleven, for example, released their pumpkin spice latte on August 5th, which is just simply indisputably still during summer. And the floodgates opened where the money was made, Dave. Pumpkin spice bone broth protein, pumpkin spice deodorant, pumpkin spice dog treats, even baby food have all been hitting the shelves. Some of it sort of ironically, but still for sale nonetheless. In the last five years, Dave, pumpkin spice product sales have increased about 47%. And the word pumpkin spice is the most popular food item searched on Google during the fall season by far. According to The Guardian, during the fiscal year that ended on July 30th, 2022, Americans purchased more than $236 million worth of pumpkin spice-flavored grocery items, a 24% yearly increase. And this does not include other non-food items like candles or dog shampoo or (laughs) drinks in coffee shops. An Amazon search reveals that there are more than 138,000 pumpkin spice items for sale, including breakfast cereal, beer, ramen noodles, and canned meat spam. 
Most products aren't even flavored with pumpkin. It's a mixture of cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg, and allspice. And although the flavor is technically available as a spice sold all year round, McCormick, one of the biggest spice companies in the U.S., reports that 76% of the annual sales of the flavor occur between September and November. So why has the flavor just extended so far and wide? Why can you essentially find it in everything today? Well, it's a matter of perception, says Jason Fisher, a professor of psychological and brain sciences at Johns Hopkins University. Most people have a pretty clear memory of what certain foods should taste like. But when you ask people what it's like to take a bite of pumpkin, they've never done that. It's a blank slate. It's something that's amenable to reading all these other sensory cues on, too. You add spices to it, add feelings of fall, imagine something sweet and creamy that you put in your drinks. Andrea Ramirez, the consumer and customer insight manager for Tarani, told The Guardian, Pumpkin Spice's limited nature is what keeps it special. If it were widely available year-round, there wouldn't be the same anticipation or countdown or frenzy to get it while it's available. And Dave, as long as consumers keep voting with their wallets, this is a trend you can only expect to continue. In 2020, a study of 40 grocery items across six retailers by Magnify Money discovered an average 8.8% markup on pumpkin spice items. So while consumers clearly love these products, they evidently don't mind paying a little extra for them too. You know, you said I think there's over 138,000 pumpkin-themed products One that just, to me, stands out, kind of stands alone, comes from uh, our friends at Green Meadow Valley. This is pumpkin spice toilet paper. Now, it's currently (laughs) sold out because it's so popular, but this is pumpkin spice scented toilet paper sold out on Amazon. Now, you can buy a, a roll from someone who has previously purchased it for $40. (laughs) <laughs> That's how much pumpkin spice toilet paper is. It's that pumpkin spice tax. And the uh, the guarantee from Green Meadow Valley is your bathroom will smell like pumpkin pie for days. Yeah, because that's what I want when I go into my bathroom. That's the only thing I want in my bathroom. Jay, we have talked about the ocean before and how I think that mankind should not be in the ocean for fun. But there's also something you should know about me. I'm kind of like an onion when it comes to the ocean. I think sharks are one of the most fascinating creatures on Earth. Like, I've been known to go to an aquarium, rush through the entire aquarium just to get to the end so I can see the majestic shark. How about you? You're a shark guy? Well, we, uh, we sort of use that as an analogy when we're talking about you, how you typically like to just kind of like get to the end of something. We'll just say, this is kind of like you and the sharks, isn't it? Like you sprinting through the aquarium. You're like, you know, I don't want to see the dolphins. I don't want to see the manatees. I don't want to touch the stingrays. Let me see the sharks. All right, let's go home. You know, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I was a consumer of Shark Week back in the day. Well, Jay, sharks have been in the news lately and not for the typical reasons, like eating somebody, that you'd hear about sharks being in the news. To professional fact-checkers, probably those people who edit Wikipedia, as we discussed on a previous episode, who spend their time trying to sort fact from fiction on the internet, a phenomenon called hurricane shark has long been the bane of their existence. For more than a decade now, grainy, low-res images of a shark swimming in water that it should not be swimming in 
have circulated on the internet, primarily on social media. The appearance of Hurricane Shark usually goes something like this. Directly after a major storm, a picture of a shark starts being shared all over the internet, showing a shark swimming down a highway, in a subway tunnel, or even in a house that's been overrun by floodwaters. Dating back to at least 2011, this image has forced our friendly internet fact-checkers back into action. There was Hurricane Irene in 2011 and Hurricane Harvey, where the shark was swimming down a subway tunnel. There was a hurricane shark appearance on a front porch during Hurricane Sandy. And then there have been a few train track appearances, like the Toronto hurricane in 2012 and Sydney in 2022. Jay, the image, while always creative, has never been real. Until now. Following the devastation left by the recent hurricane in Florida that happened in September of 2022, a video popped up of a shark swimming in a backyard near Fort Myers, Florida. Though the video seemed different than the past versions of Hurricane Shark, it also was met with the same level of extreme skepticism. It wasn't long, though, Jay, before evidence started pouring in to support it actually being real. Reputable news outlets like the Associated Press started to run interviews with folks who actually saw it, as well as reports of the examination of the video footage, checking it for accuracy. The New York Times even compared the video to discovering that Bigfoot was in fact real. After over half a decade of debunking this hoax every time there was a flood or hurricane, I can't believe I'm looking at an honest-to-God street shark wrote Jane Litvinko, a freelance reporter. Good to finally meet you, pal. And Jay, to hammer home how crazy this is, the hurricane shark hoax has often been held up as the case study for aspiring journalists to use as an example of how hard it can be to identify misinformation. But this, Jay, this is, this is different. This one seems to be the real deal. So the next time you think about that crazy movie Sharknado that was popular a few years ago, just keep in mind that we are now one step closer to that actually happening. Jay, you may not need to go in the ocean to be eaten by a shark anymore. Perhaps you could be eaten just walking through your front yard. Well, it brings a, a new level of fear to you, I would imagine, as someone who is scared of the ocean, to have the ocean brought to you. Yeah, this, I mean, I do live in a landlocked state for a reason. Well, see, that shows me that you're not a real shark lover because, you know, sharks don't really eat people. I mean, like, it, how many shark attacks have there really been? What do you mean sharks like, don't like actually such eat Such a small people. number. Like, first of all, you're in their house. It, which is exactly why you shouldn't go in the ocean. But it's also, a too, like, there's just not that many shark attacks. Like, it's a very small number that actually happens. I mean, they get news coverage, so you think it happens a lot, but it really doesn't happen a lot. Well, then you might as well just go hitchhiking, then, if that's how you feel about it. <laughs> and that's it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review Commute on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on your favorite podcast network. We're on social. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And you can always say what up at our website, commutethepodcast.com. Music for Commute is provided by my main man, Jason Sammons. For Jay Sis and I'm Dave Traub. We'll see you next week. Your bathroom will smell like pumpkin pie for days. Yeah, because that's what I want when I go into my bathroom. That's the only thing I want out of my bathroom.